the clearer and more specific the plan you give, uh, when you start to notice that expectations are starting to slip, uh, the more likely you are to actually act on it because now you have a clear plan, like, you know, like lighted steps forward to be sure that to say, okay, I need to engage and I've, I feel scared and I'm going to default to comfort and avoidance if I don't have something. But if I light this staircase up and I like, you know, have that exit ramp lined up for me, okay, now I'm more likely to actually engage in, in the behavior I know I need to do for the benefit of me, my relationships, and my company. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we are always here to help. Now, today we have another great uh, guest on the podcast, and this is an expert episode. So um, the guest is Jerry Fu, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the thing that people always try to avoid, which is conflict resolution, work or work relationships, how to fire someone, or how to deal with difficult bosses or employees, maybe a bit of romantic relationships, and all the things that are always uncomfortable that you're trying to avoid, but you need to know how to deal with. So with that much as introduction, welcome on the podcast, Jerry. Hey, thanks for having me, Devin. So I gave kind of a quick introduction as to what we're going to be talking about, but maybe before, before we dive into that, maybe just give everybody, the audience, a, a one or two minute introduction about yourself and a little bit about why you're the expert or why you know what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I tell people I am uh, one beggar telling other beggars where to find bread. You know, it's like I'm not the artful dodger who avoided all the major mistakes that people make in terms of conflict. I am the guy who, you know... Uh, got my face pushed in the mud and, you know, decided to figure out how this tastes and how I can get used to it in terms of uh, uh, how to help others. And so the reason some of the things I dealt with, I got fired from the job I came to Houston for. So that was a wake up call. I've had to fire people. Uh, so, you know, hearing some of the things I used to say before I got fired from other people was uh, definitely a wake up call. I've had to evict a roommate. That was a fun situation. I had to confront another guy when I was a church class director uh, when I found out he was sexually harassing women in the class, I had to kind of, you know, fall on that grenade. And so, yeah, between uh, dealing with, you know, conflicts with my parents as to my career path and, you know, my own uh, romantic endeavors that got shot down, you know, we all deal with it. But uh, I believe that in my path to go from being a pharmacist into uh, a leadership and conflict resolution coach that, uh, you know, I've, I've been down this road and I want to help people uh, have an easier path to success when it comes to conflict resolution. Oh, that was a, that was a great introduction. Sounds like a, a, certainly a, a fun journey. And someday, another day, we'll have to dive into a bit more of that journey um, and, and chat about that. Um, but now kind of diving into, you know, the, the topic at hand, which I'll, I'll start out with maybe the one that the most or that make people or a lot of people probably not mm -hmm. me so much I don't mind conflict nearly as much my wife hates it and most of my friends hate it I'm like oh, I like to debate and I like to argue and I don't have a problem with it but for most people conflict resolution in other words especially and we're, we'll talk about it within the work setting if you're having marital strife or relationships or that at home those mm -hmm. ones will be maybe for a different episode or a different podcast but if you're yeah. at work and you're having conflict and this could be usually kind of it I can see it taking a few forms. One can be if you're the boss and you're having conflict with your employees. Another could be if you're an employee and you're having a conflict with the boss. And the third one be is if you're an employee having a conflict with another employee. But kind of as you're looking to tackle that and kind of figure out 
depending on the different circumstances, what are some guiding principles or how do you start to deal with conflict resolution when you get or get to work? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the first tip that comes to mind is to realize that conflict never actually goes away. <laughs> and so people think, and I used to think this too, if, if I fired this person or if I wrote this person up or, you know, I, and that's good. You have some degree of closure. Uh, that's the first thing is to say, okay, I'm going to choose closure over my own comfort because if I stay comfortable, I'm not, the problem won't go away on its own. That's really a big problem when people think, oh, well, if I just wait long enough, maybe they'll figure out why I'm upset with them. That doesn't work. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but to recognize, Hey, you know, there's always going to be some kind of conflict, uh, whether it's healthy conflict or unhealthy conflict, that's, you want healthy conflict. That's okay. When people realize, Hey, we can disagree on the why and the how, uh, you know, of, of certain things, of certain programs or such. But then when you have unhealthy conflict, when there's mismanaged or unmet expectations, uh, now, you, now you have to make some really important and difficult decisions as to whether, as Maxwell says, right, do I train this person? Do I transfer this person? Do I terminate this person? Um, and too often, right, we don't like simple answers like that. But really, there's, those are the only three options you have if you're an owner, right? So let's dive into that a little bit because so we'll go with the first scenario, which is the owner. You're the business owner, you're the CEO, you're the founder, you know, the person in charge, you're the boss type of a thing. And I guess you don't have to always be the owner. You could be a supervisor, supervisor, a manager, something like that. But, you know, the person in charge, at least over the employees that has the ability to let someone go to fire them or to try and train them. How do you go through and make the determination? Because, you know, easiest in some... I don't know if it's easiest. I was going to say easiest to some degree is just to let them go. Now, it's not fun to let people go. I've done it before. It's not a fun circumstance. You know, sometimes it's needed. But how do you start to say, okay, is this a training problem? I haven't trained them properly. Is this a, they can't get along with people. This is, I should let them go. Or kind of, how do you work your way through, you know, do I transfer them? Do I let them go? Do I fire them? Do I train them? Or, you know, kind of, how do you work or start to make those decisions? Yeah, yeah. I think the first is just to, you know, I like uh, what Brene Brown talks about or what other people say when you have to assume positive intent, right? When you want to say, hey, you know what? They're doing the best they can. So that can be taken one of two ways. Either that's if they're honestly giving the best effort. Okay, well, let's show them a little grace. And at the same time, if they are still coming short of standards, then, you know, you still have to realize if that's if you can't give what you don't have and you can give me five, but the job requires 10, like I have to let you go, right? Because if, the, if you don't meet 10, the company dies, right? Or the company will suffer needlessly. So the first thing, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before and maybe audience, you know, maybe this is a good reminder, right? You don't hire for skills, you, help, you, you hire for attitude, right? Because you can teach skills, right? If the person, uh, as Henry Cloud talks about in Necessary Endings, he says, there's wise people, there's foolish people, and there's evil people, right? Wise people, right? If assuming that they are good at what they do and they're competent and, and they've earned your trust, right? If they do something wrong or if something's not going according to plan, right? All you have to do is just maintain a level of maintenance, of preventive maintenance, right? Just say, hey, here's some feedback. And they internalize it. They don't take it personally. They say, hey, this, my boss is telling me this for my good and the good of the company. Let's make some adjustments. I demonstrate that I've taken this feedback seriously and I implement that and it's done. Easy enough. Right. Oh, it's just, I'm going to jump in just because I'm going to yeah, give you a real world scenario that I wanted yeah, to ask. It's one I'm, I'm not going to get into in details because I have yeah. no idea if the, the employer yeah, former employee, and I'm not even, but we'll give a kind of a generalized scenario yeah. of one that I've dealt with before. So okay, you it. have an employee, yeah. you know, I'll say I'm the boss, but you have an employee mm-hmm. um, that has a 
habit that drives you nuts. So okay. it's not detrimental to the company. It doesn't yeah. harm the company. You know, it's not, it's not creating strife within other workers, but it mm-hmm. just drives you nuts. And you talk to the employee a couple of times and say, Hey, this needs to change. It really bothers me. And, you know, it creates some friction and, you know, they'll change for two or three months and then they go back to doing the habit. And then you'll have a second conversation mm-hmm. They change for a month or two, go back to the habit. And you kind of get to the situation where, okay, either have to accept it or have to let them go or, you know, you kind of lose hope, you know, in that situation, when you are in the managerial or the boss position, how do you start to deal with that uh, circumstance? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, a real life example I'll give you is uh, punctuality at my, at my day job. And it's like, you know, where we've been, we've been open for four years and yet somehow like you still forget like Mm -hmm. what time we open or (laughs) what time is acceptable to be here on time. And so this falls into kind of the realm of foolish people. I would say maybe I would call them foolish, but it is like well-meaning, but ultimately like no follow-through people, right? It's just like, oh yeah, I know I need to be on time, but there's no follow-through. And so with people in the second category, right? You need to establish very clear and airtight boundaries, right? You need to give clear consequences for what happens when they cross those boundaries. Because on one hand, kind of to your point, right? Is this a pre- is this a problem with my preferences, or is this a principle problem? Right. Like if if it's just this person just has like this really annoying high pitched laugh and you're just saying, well, you know, I don't I think it sounds smarmy when they're talking with customers, but they're not actually losing business because of it. You might just drop that one. Right. You're just like, okay, I could split hairs over my preference as to how they should address customers. But ultimately, you know, if as long as they're building good relationships, that's not up to me to get in the way of that. But if it is something like punctuality and you say, hey, you know, the team is resentful and they're unfocused because you're continually late. Okay you have to set boundaries to say, okay, if you are late four times, you know, in the next five, in the next week or so, I'm going to write you up. And then here are three, here are three write-ups. And then after three write-ups, you have probation and probation, you know, at any point, if you, if I decide I'm I'm done with you, you're done. Right. And you just have to set very clear boundaries flavor just a little bit because I think that's great, yeah. or great yeah. advice and as an attorney I love to play devil's advocate so we'll take Go it one it. step further let's say it's yeah. not punctuality where you're not always able to mm-hmm. you're always monitor you know punctuality mm-hmm. is a little bit easier you can see are they showing up yeah. on time or they're not do they clock mm-hmm. in yeah. time but let's say they're expending an abnormal amount on water breaks you know where they're Ooh, sitting around the yeah. coffee take you know uh, the water cooler or in the you know break room and they're you know everybody else takes 15 20 whatever the number is you know depending yeah. on you know 30 minutes for lunch break and, you know, 50 minutes throughout the day. And this person's taking an hour break a day, you know, so it's Mm. more than what everybody else has expected, but they are a great worker. You know, they do a good job and they, you know, everything else you like about the employee, but you just have this one thing where like, you know, they, it feels like they're taking advantage in that one area. Is it one, you know, so you're kind of caught because you like the employee, they do a good job. On the other hand, you're saying it feels kind of like they're cheating me on some of the time that I should, I'm paying them. How do you deal with that one? Yeah, no, that's a good one. I mean, the first is just to get curious, right? Right. Can we assume positive intent to say, hey, okay, well, are they still getting work done? Okay, sure. All right. But yeah, let's talk about this to say, hey, you know, I've noticed, right, that you seem to take 30 or an hour when everyone else is taking 30 minutes, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, you know, I, I you know, I have extra family issues or things like that. And they need a longer lunch in order to die. And you say, mm-hmm. okay, well, thank you for giving me a clear picture of that. And, you know, what kind of effect does that have? What do you think that effect has on the rest of the team? Right. Like that. So now it's not just about how they're affecting you. You kind mm-hmm. of shed light on, Hey, how does this affect team dynamics and morale when they see that they feel like you're not pulling your weight because you're taking long lunches? Oh, you know, that's, 
ideally, you know, hypothetically, right? It's, oh, that's maybe that's not good because there are some employees in real life that be like, well, I still, I'm still fine. Like, I don't know why this is a problem, right? They're going to do that. And to say, could you, you know, are you willing to, you know, experiment with the idea of taking a shorter lunch and then dealing with some of these personal issues like after work or before work so that it's not affecting your perception? And I mean, because the approach I've taken, this is real life advice, guys. Like I tell people, I'm like, look, um, you know, what kind of reputation do you think you've established here? Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I think I'm, you know, and then they start to realize, oh, well, I'm not on time a lot. And, you know, I'm not focused a lot. And I realize, oh, you know, people say, oh, you know, she's always kind of, she's always kind of, you know, flaky in the head. It's like, okay, well, how are you going to change that? Right. Like, how do you want to affect that change so that people aren't always, you know, dogging you for being late or, you know, taking long lunches. Right. And mm-hmm. now you start to empower the person and realize, hey, you know what? Um, I didn't realize that this is how this comes across. And to say, hey, you know what? Even if you think you're right about the situation, um, how do you want to change things for the better so that people aren't resenting you behind your back, possibly for what you're doing? So that's no, I think that's I think that's great advice. Now I'll push one last question. Then we'll jump back yeah. the conversation. Let's say you have that whole conversation and, and they, you know, in, in kind of to almost the original scenario, they make an improvement, you know, they do good for a couple months and then you mm-hmm. see them, oh, you know, they're starting to take long lunches again and they're kind of reverting back to old habits, which, you know, people generally, we were creatures of habit and, you know, while you try to make change, that's why a lot of times people try diet and then you go back to the old way that you're eating because you enjoy it more, <laughs> yeah. right? It's the same kind yeah. of thing there is. So if you try and, you know, and then you have a conversation with them maybe a second time, you say, okay, I'll give them another chance, you know, mm-hmm. help them to, and, and you know, same thing, month or two, they make the change and then they go back to old habits. You know, what point is it, do you continue to give them the benefit of the doubt versus what to, at what point do you kind of say, okay, I've done my best. I've tried my hardest as a manager, as a, you know, person, I, you know, I, I got to do something else or what do I do here type of thing? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's in coaching, we talk about coaching with compassion or coaching for compliance. And unfortunately, guys, like this is no one likes to hear what I'm about to tell you, but you sometimes you have to, you have to coach for compliance in this case, because it's just to say, hey, look, um, and part of it is having not just annual reviews, but like quarterly reviews, right? So you can give this regular feedback to say, hey, look, you know, we, over the first month or two, we were talking about this, you've been great with functionality, but then I've started, you know, you can look at the clock in time. So that way, subjective evidence to say, no, you're starting to slip again, right? Or something to that effect. And then you can say, hey, look, you know, uh, whether you want to tie it into their bonus, you know, or things like that to say, hey, look, you know, I'm going to have to give you a lower score and that's going to affect your bonus, right? So you want to give them consequences when they don't, not just from like a, like a value added standpoint with that you can't really quantify, right? But to say, hey, look, you know, um, I've given you six months to improve on this and you're still not consistent. So mm-hmm. now I have to step up my standards uh, and to say, hey, look, if you are not on time for the next like two or three months, I'm going to, we're going to have to go down the write-up and probation path because I've used everything, I've exhausted everything else I can to appeal to your innate desire to be a good employee. And those are, those are no longer working, right? So you want to play in this space up here first, absolutely, and exhaust that whole toolbox before you start to resort to um, step across this line and you sneeze wrong and you're done, right? Those, those are, you know, and, and, and it's, that's the ugly side of leadership that people don't tell you about until you mm-hmm. have to do it. <laughs> and so it's like, all right, guys, let's expose this ugly underbelly because uh, if you don't give leaders a, uh, like a real picture of the challenge they're going to face and real ugly tools to deal with ugly situations, 
um, you know, they're, they're not going to sign up because you, you were lying to them to begin with. So, yeah. No, and I think that that, you know, that that is great advice, you know, and it is one that's hard, you know, some I've seen some leaders that, you know, just keep, they continue to give them chances and basically just give up and say, well, it's I'm, it, I either got to decide whether I'm going to fire them or I'm just going to have to deal with it. And then you make that determination as to is are they the value that they provide to the company worth keeping them or is it saying, hey, this is just creating too much of a issue within the company, even if they do great or great work, yeah. it's negative, having negative error consequence over here. Some people just say, I'm done. I'm tired of it. I've got to let it go. But I think that there's that, I think that's a, a good balance. So now let's switch gears a little bit on the conflict resolution to now, if you're in on the employee side and, yeah. you know, if you're dealing with a, another employee, we'll, we'll quit picking on the bosses for a minute, but you're dealing with <laughs> yeah. another employee yeah. that you do have, you know, conflicts with and that can be everything from their you know their you know I, I think there's a difference if they're being you know sexual harassing or being oh, abusive yeah, yeah. that one's you know that one's a pretty clear cut yeah. turn them in you know if they if the company doesn't do something you should probably leave but if it you know if it's not like harassing but it's just the employee is you know rude or aggressive or you know belligerent you know something that doesn't arise to the level of you know abuse or you know something along those lines but it's just you continually have conflicts you know they are you, you can't get along with them you know everything you do you want to do one thing and they always oppose you and do the other or whatever that is how do you deal with conflicts between employees yeah um oh yeah no, i could pull this. <laughs> i've had so many examples because basically my my failure was the fact that there are employees who are conflict diverse they would be upset with you know another employee and they come to me and say hey jerry can you go talk to them about this and i'm just like no like he i, I made the mistake i basically got caught in putting too many rules on the line and then like they would kind of contradict each other and then they would all get mad at me for being a bad referee and i'm just like no like this is not uh this is not a good system so i would tell them i'm just like okay um, let's say if I'm talking peer to peer with somebody, I can tell them, I'm just like, Hey, look, uh, that's usually the easiest to say, Hey, look, I'm just looking out for you. Right. This is what I'm seeing from my side. Do we agree on a solution? Uh, you know, do we agree that this is what's best? And it's like, yes, it's like, Hey, so here are some things I'm concerned about in terms of trying to reach this goal or this result, right? This is what I'm seeing from you. Uh, this is how it makes me feel right. They can't refute your feelings. Like I feel hurt when, you know, you're abrasive in the language you use towards me and other people, you know, even if you don't mean anything malicious by it, um, you know, can we talk about how to better communicate with, in a way that people both feel, both sides feel respected, right? Um, and so I, the question that I like to always ask is how do you shift from uh, confrontation to collaboration, right? How do you move from opposite sides of the table to the same side of the table? And when you affirm, hey, we're teammates, we're looking out for each other. Um, hey, let's like, here are some obstacles I'm noticing in, in terms of uh, establishing a good relationship with you. Uh, let's talk about, let me hear from you as well to say, what can I do better as well to make sure that you feel respected and appreciated? Um, yeah, those are, I think those are a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> fun for you, maybe not for the person. Yeah, 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 I know, right? No, yeah. I'll, ask, I'll ask one or follow up question. Do you yeah. get a wide range of people that are willing to deal with conflicts. In other mm -hmm. words, I don't mind conflict. I, I'm, you know, I'm an attorney. I probably like to argue. I like to debate, but even there's still conflicts, you know, even within me that I, I just don't like to deal with, you know, at some point mm -hmm. you're just saying, this is still not fun. Everybody has those points. And there's people like my wife that just, she hates conflict. She would rather, you know, put it aside or deal with it or ignore it or whatever, because she'd rather not have conflict. And so mm -hmm. if you're more on the side that you don't want to hit it, you know, your tendency is to just avoid conflict, to ignore it or otherwise not deal with it. Mm -hmm. How do you, work up the, you know, the guts to do it or whatever you want to call it to actually deal with conflict if it really does need to be dealt with. 
Oh yeah. So what's funny for you is right. Usually it's the opposite problem where like the wife is upset and the guy's like, I got to hide because I don't want to deal with this upset woman. <laughs> I, but, I, I was saying at work now home is different, yeah. but at least no, 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 that's fair. <laughs> but well, so, I mean, cause I was, I'm, I was conflict avoidance for the longest time just due to cultural norms and things like that. But uh, the, I guess some of the turning points for me, speaking of someone who is tends to conflict avoid, like and, and upon first like reflex, the first you have to ask yourself is, um, you know, how much longer will I tolerate this? Like, what is the cost of inaction, right? Because if you're already upset, right, um, you realize that just trying to suppress your frustration and, and, and just hope that, again, people figure out why you're upset with them and fix it on their own. Unless you say something, they're, not, they're just going to assume that the default is fine, right? If a technician types up a prescription wrong and I fix it for them, right, they're not going to realize that they did it wrong. But, you know, maybe I give them one benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just had a busy day. They just slipped up once. It's not a consistent pattern. Sure, I'll fix it in the interest of time or so. But if it happens again and I refuse to do something about it, now the problem is on me, right? Because I didn't say something to fix the issue. So the two initial tips are, yeah, number one, ask yourself, um, what is my hesitation costing me? You know, and then number two, uh, you know, or no, two and three. So two is how, where can I find 10 seconds of courage? Because you don't need to be Superman. You don't need to like, you know, get into like Superman or Wonder Woman mode before you finally charge your head. You just need 10 seconds to be like, Hey, can I pull you aside for, you know, just like 10 minutes, right? You just need to have 10 seconds to like fire off that text or pick up the phone or send that email and just say, Hey, look, I, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, third is members to sell the benefits of this conversation. You know um, what, what what can I gain by having this conversation? Oh, I can reset expectations. I can go back to enjoying being around this person again. Hey, okay, yeah, this is a conversation worth having. I'm willing to get past my initial discomfort in order to have this because the closure is 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 really uh, more enjoyable than just sitting in my comfort zone. Mm. Um, I think that's really kind of the bonus tip right there. It's just to realize that closure is always better than comfort because yeah, when I evicted my roommate for defaulting on his lease, I can assure you like the comfort <laughs> zone I was staying in was terrible. Uh, it is the closure that came from finally get, convincing him to move out before I called the cops where I could finally just exhale and just say, Oh, I'm so glad I'm past that. Right. No, and I, I think that's all a lot of great advice. So now I am going to switch gears just a little bit to a yeah. different, you know, another kind of related conflict, I guess, or has a potential for conflict, yeah. which is relationships at the office, you know, and how mm. that one can be, a, you know, some, some companies are, oh, we're fine. If you have a relationship, as long as it doesn't bleed into work, don't worry mm. about it. You can do whatever you want. You're adults. Mm. Now they're just saying, hey, we've had way too many, whether it's sexual harassment suits or have had way too many conflicts and people getting mad or employees leaving because they, you know, they break up or whatever. And yeah. so, you know, maybe we'll go from the employer perspective first of how do you deal with relationships at the office should you take a more lenient should you take a more aggressive or how do you how do you start to set that or set those boundaries mm, yeah i think uh it's just there's so much empirical evidence one way or the <laughs> other but and plus every company is different but i mean so to, i hate to say it depends but i mean the questions to ask yourself around what if you are a owner right and you have to ask yourself what is your comfort level like what is your instinct telling you right to say okay if i find out that two people you know, are starting to date and they're like, you know, canoodling in like the break room, right? And instead of getting work done, it's like, okay, no, like that's the problem, right? If, if you maybe lay clear boundaries just to say, hey, look, if you choose to like attempt to date a coworker, any personal relationship related, you know, 
activity or news needs to stay off the clock, right? Like you can have a relationship so long as it does not affect company productivity. As soon as it does though, if that, and you have to be able to be flexible with that policy because if like two people start to be like break up and now it's all awkward for everyone else in the office, it's like, okay, nope, never mind. Like I gave you that chance. Uh, at this point, we are just better off saying, hey, no dating at all, period. And if we find out then, you know, or if that does happen, hey, one of you is going to have to transfer you know, or move on to another company, you know, what's that going to be? Because yeah, realistically, I haven't, rarely have I seen a situation uh, where uh, personal relationships don't complicate like on, on, on the clock productivity. So that is my personal preference to say, hey, you know what? Um, I know some uh, Ivy rule has exceptions. I'm sure everybody will, will push back. That's like, no, well, she's hot. And it's just like, well, just be honest about that. Right. <laughs> I want to date her. It's like, all right, man, just as long as you know what kind of territory you have to navigate. Uh, but yeah, the simple answer is uh, probably not. <laughs> just don't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably, I mean, it, it opens up a Pandora's box. I mean, everything from, you know, then you're saying one's at one's at one's a supervisor and one's inferior, then mm-hmm. it opens you up to potential for, you know, HR problems or for sexual harassment problems, even if it is consensual, because breakups tend to not usually go well with most people. And, you know, especially if you're working, you saw to see the other person. And while it may have been good intended at one point, I think it can evolve and shift. And then, you know, it's hard, especially if you're in a relationship out things outside of work, you know, I'm married and even I don't, my wife doesn't work with or work for me, but even when I have a bad day, you know, at home with, you know, and everybody has good days and bad days with a marriage. And so yeah. But I, I think that I'm, you know, it, it it carries into work. And now if you had to do yeah. that, you know, when you're at work and yet at the same time, I get people, you know, attorneys are terrible. We work a whole bunch of hours. We always, you know, we, we never stop working type of thing. We work, you know, we're at the office all the time. And so you're saying, well, if I don't date someone in the office, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to find someone. So I do think that to your point, it does depend a little bit, but I think that there's a lot more potential issues than there are a lot more benefits, at least from the employer that. side. I agree with that. Yeah. It's like the, you can, but you should probably shouldn't. That's, I think that's the, the simple coverall answer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Last, and this is a fun conversation. I, yeah. I can go on for a long or much longer and I'm sure we'd enjoy it, but it'd probably go beyond the attention span of everybody else. So we can do a part two later. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Question or one other question. So one yeah. of the hard things I think that every person that they, they think they'd be better at it until they actually get in the situation, which is firing somebody or letting someone mm-hmm. go. And everybody thinks, oh, you can just tell them, you know, just fire them, just pull them in your office and you're not doing a good job and let you go. And yet mm-hmm. every time you get into it, you, you know, especially if they have a family and they oh, have yeah. kids and they're, or they have a wife or they just moved there or, you know, they're doing, or not doing well, for, you know, not doing well financially. And everybody, I never seen, or seen someone, at least people that I've hired that have said, oh yeah, that'd be easy to let them go. They'll land on their feet. They have a job lined up. They'll be fine. They won't have any issues. And so, you know, when you do get to that situation, what is the, if you have made your determination, okay, I need to let this one go. And it's for what, you know, this individual go for whatever reason, how do you go about letting someone go and firing someone? Yeah, I think part of it is just having empathy for the person that you're about to let go, right? Treating them with dignity and giving them like the, the, the best case scenario is to say, Hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, you are not meeting expectations, whether there is a legitimate reason for this or not, uh, you know, at the very best, this job is not a good fit for you. Because if we're saying these are our expectations and you're only realistically able to meet about half of them, like this cannot continue. 
right? Mm -hmm. um, the comp if we keep you on, the company will die. Like if we want to like basically give that trajectory, if we only, if we settle for people only giving half of what the company knows that it needs to survive, uh, this company will not survive. Uh, and so the best thing I can do for you is to let you move on so that you can find a company better suited to your needs and preferences and skills, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, that's the, at the very least, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. That's, I probably in my mind, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm much more frustrated with you than what I'm letting on. But that is now is not the time to take cheap shots at you or, mm -hmm. you know, unload my own personal frustration because it is like, I know how upset uh, my bosses were with me when I got fired and I do my best to remember, Hey, as, as upset as it, as I am to hear victim statements and blaming and lack of responsibility, whenever someone pushes back, when I'm upset with them uh, as a boss um, at the end of the day, I need to let them move on to a job that would actually suit their preferences. And that's fine. Hopefully they're out there. If they are great, if not, they need to change, but not on my timetable any longer. Yeah. And I think that one thing, if you're on the employee side, at least 99% of there's probably 1% out there of bosses that like to fire people for 99%. The, the oh, boss no. doesn't want to do it any more than, or the manager or the supervisor doesn't want to do it any more than the person being let go. It's not like it's a fun thing when I've done it, you know, most of the time as a boss, you're saying, ah, we'll give them one more chance or we'll wait a little bit longer. And you try and give them probably more chances than they deserve just because you have sympathy for them and you want to, or, you know, you are a human yourself and you understand their situation. And so usually they're coming into it, dreading it as much as the employee. But I think to your point, I think what, where I've come is most of the time is saying, hey, there's usually a reason why you're letting them go. And it's a lot of times it's because they're not happy with their work. They don't enjoy it. But, you know, it's not fit or, or it doesn't suit their skill set or, you know, any number of things. And it's probably better for them in the long run, even though in the short term it sucks to let them know, hey, you know, this this position probably does not fit with what you will want. And whether it's you don't, you know, you have aspiration in the future that we're just not going to be able to help or, you know, or you don't like the job or responsibilities or, you know, your skill sets, you you just, you know, this isn't your skill set. You need to find something you're passionate about. And I think that that's at least for me has worked better of at least trying to go, go with the thing of, we're, we, I want the best for you. This situation for both of us is not the best for you. And so let's see what we can do. And then a lot of times I'll say, you know, if you need help transitioning, finding something else, I'd love to help you out unless they're just really bad. You just don't want to give them a recommendation, you know, give them a recommendation or look at your network or give connections, I think is a good way to transition out. Yeah, it is. And yeah, when you just don't cut them and then just say, good luck trying to swim in this giant ocean, like give them resources. Uh, you know, a book I would give now, like even to people, whether I fire them or not, there's a great book called Designing Your Life. Uh, and even Designing Your Work Life is a spinoff just to say, hey, look, how do you create a job and a career that you would actually be excited about? Right. Um, and then now they, you're trying to empower them to realize, hey, you know what? Yeah, we, we have to end this chapter. And this is your opportunity to start a new one. And it's up to you. No, and I think that I think that's that's great advice. So, well, we've now or gone got towards the end of the podcast, and maybe we'll have to have you back on part two sometime. I think that would be sure. fun. Definitely, a lot more things that we could cover. But you know, we we've covered several different things, and you know, always at the end of each expert episode, I always want to give people at least one takeaway. You know, listen to this for half an hour, and there's a lot of things you could start going. Most of the time, you won't start going, or you get overwhelmed, or anything. If you're to talking to somebody that's you know the founder, co-founder, manager, boss, you know, of a, of a business, and they can only get one takeaway, one thing that they should be doing today or should get going on today, what would that one thing be? Yeah, um, I guess for some reason, the thing that comes to mind is simply to ask yourself, if you are dealing with someone who's underperforming, uh, what kind of like tripwire deadline do you want to set for yourself? 
uh, to say, okay, if this goes on for, you know, three months, okay, I will initiate a conversation, like set, like script your key uh, deadlines and timetables and, and key phrases that you want to be sure to address. Like this, the clearer and more specific the plan you give, uh, when you start to notice that expectations are starting to slip, uh, the more likely you are to actually act on it, because now you have a clear plan, like, you know, like lighted steps forward to be sure that to say, okay, I need to engage and I, I feel scared and I'm going to default to comfort and avoidance if I don't have something. But if I light this staircase up and I like, you know, have that exit ramp lined up for me, okay, now I'm more likely to actually engage in, in the behavior I know I need to do for the benefit of me, my relationships and my company. No, I think that that's absolutely great takeaway and definitely something people should to take to take to heart. So well, with that, as we wrap up, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to hire you to give that, you know, all the training in the world and be the great yeah. best coach in the world for their business. They want to be an employee of yours. They want to get trained by you. They want to be an investor. If you take on investment dollars, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Absolutely. Yes. Um, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I have a profile there. That is the one social media profile that I have. Uh, otherwise, if you want to engage in something more professional and intentional, my website is adaptingleaders.com. Uh, there is a free PDF download uh, for a framework for having difficult conversations. And you can also schedule a complimentary 30-minute call uh, just to tell me about what you're working on or tell me your story. Or if you have, hey, Jerry, I got a situation I need your help with. Uh, no strings attached, you know, just give yourself a free sample to help. If that's all you need, great. Uh, if you want to uh, invest more, hey, I got plenty of coaching packages and, you know, you can figure out what works best for you or your organization. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to take advantage or any of all of the above and definitely a great resources as you're uh, building and growing your business or starting your business. So, well, thank you again, Jerry, for coming on. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own journey to tell or you want to have your own expertise to share, um, feel free to apply to be on the pod podcast. Just go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the show. Two more things as listeners. Uh, one, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so everyone else can find out about all of our awesome episodes. Last but not least, if you, have, if you need uh, help with patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, let's go to strategymeeting.com. Grab some time with us to chat. Well, thank you again, Jerry. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. A lot of great knowledge. And uh, wish the next day of your journey even better than the last. Thanks, Devin. Have a great day, everybody.